0: Thank you for joining us for Under the Water Tower, a ministry of Fellowship Baptist, located under the City Water Tower on Mormon Mill Road in beautiful Marble Falls, Texas. We don't just love the Bible, we love talking about the Bible and talking about how the Bible informs our life in this world. Recording here in the marvelous, extraordinary Fellowship Hall of Fellowship Baptist Church with me are Daryl Fishbeck.
1: Instagram, Joni Wallach.
0: And I'm Jamie Greening. Uh, we're having a good time uh, getting ready for our uh, podcast here. We've switched gears. We did, what, what book did we do last time, guys?
2: Book? I thought, did we do a book? <laughs>
0: <laughs> in the Bible? <laughs> the Season one of the podcast? We spent a lot of hours recording. What was it? Oh my
2: gosh, I remember. Ephesians? I don't know. Oh, wait, we were Ephesians, wasn't it? Ephesians. Oh, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> well, we did Advent in between, I and I got failed. confused. Colossians, maybe. Jesus.
0: Colossians, maybe. Remember Yeah, Colossians, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) This is not a good start. So we did New Testament last time, and actually, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the Colossians podcast, you should spend the next 15 hours doing nothing but that. Uh, We have every stray thought that we ever had on the book of Colossians recorded. Uh, Pretty much during the, I would say the... The height of the pandemic, I would say, at this point. Of course, we don't know
2: what's coming down next. But I was gonna say during the greatest unknowns, but I, I don't think we know any more now than we did back then. Mm. So. We could <laughs> be in the height. <laughs> I don't
3: know.
2: I'm hoping because I've got a vacation planned in September.
0: Mm. I've already bought tickets. We've that almost, might be the height.
3: We've almost come up to a year. March will be yeah. a year. Isn't that I crazy? think
2: today. Something I heard something on the radio said like today or this week was when in. China they they started shutting down okay. because it had yeah. just gone there so
0: it's i think we're at the first case in the United States was last week mm. a year ago last week mm. but i believe it was the highest we recorded um season 1 of the podcast just thinking how can we get bible discussion and bible thought out there for anybody who might be saying i can't go to church and there's nothing to do is <laughs> which that's, that's kind of like me every day. Uh, but if you can listen to the podcast. So we did that, and it was fun, and we decided to come back and do it again. But we're not going to do New Testament. We're going to do some Old Testament. In fact, what I the I don't know if it's going to be the sticking title, but what I have loosely called Weird Moses Stories. <laughs> and if you've ever studied the life of Moses, you'll know that there are considerably high number of Weird Moses story. The first one we're going to start with, you may say, Well, that's not that weird, except it really is. Daryl has agreed to um, read the story for us, to read the text. Exodus
2: 2 uh, 1 through 10. My James Earl Jones voice here <laughs> Moses. Or was it was Val Kilmer. Who was it in uh, the... Val
0: Kilmer would never be confused with James Earl Jones. <laughs> no, but
2: in the in the Spielberg, uh, the animated um, Prince of Egypt. Wasn't Val Kilmer the, spirit, the Holy Spirit's voice or something like that? I
0: don't remember, but I do remember that in that same movie, uh, Captain Picard played Pharaoh, which was he really did, strange yes. for me. I, so we all pick up what we remember differently. For you, it was Val Kilmer. For me, it was the way cooler Patrick Stewart. Well. I
2: can't do either one of those cool voices, and I cannot do accents, so let's just try and mess this up as normal as possible. Uh, Exodus 2, verses (laughs) 1 through 10. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he... this, the, I circled this for later, but saw he was a fine child. She hit him three Look months. Look at that boy. He's so fine.
0: <laughs> That's what they used to say to me when I walked on the
2: beach. <laughs> when Verse 3. No I'm, I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> Just dead air. Just <laughs> dead moving air. Moving on. Uh, number th- verse 3. When she could hide him no longer, she took fire she took for him a basket made of bulrushes or papyrus reeds as some uh, translations, and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to I lost my line, stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while, while her young women walked beside the river. <coughs> She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. (coughs) She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water.
1: Had him drawn out of the water. She didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) I'm just reading what's here. Sorry, Joni. Tell us what you think about that, Joni. Nothing, just that. So
0: that's how you see it, right?
1: That's exactly how I see (laughs) it. Oh, servant,
0: there's something over there. Can you go fetch that for me?
1: It may be a trap. It may be dangerous. Could you go on over there?
0: Well, that's actually the way the text is kind of written. We read it. uh, The reading of this is so colored by the movies that we have seen Mm -hmm. that uh, we forget how much interpretation movies give us where she's down there bathing with all her servant girls in the water with her. That's probably not how this happened. She's probably in there bathing, and the servant girls are patrolling oh, right. the shoreline, checking for all the things that might get the princess, mm-hmm. right? Crocodiles, mm-hmm. snakes, uh, asps, all these different <laughs> things that might get her. Or, or just making sure everyone's staying away, yeah. not taking a peek. Peeping, peeping Tom's. Um, peeping. What's well, a good Egyptian
3: yeah, what's name? a good name? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I, I d- can't pronounce I, I, don't I, don't s- I stopped to think about it as if I actually know Egyptian <laughs> names. I don't so. know how to
0: answer that and not sound completely racist and uh, <laughs> yeah. and and cultural appropriating. So I'm just gonna say whatever. Move on. Tom, peeping, peeping Tom. You're
1: peeping Tom's. something. Yeah.
0: <coughs> Toma. Um, <laughs> and he
2: so did it anyway. I d- <laughs> it just sounds. They try to be sly about it, but. <laughs> um. Wow. We we this is why we miss Barbara here. So Barbara <laughs> if you're listening, we we miss your Jamie what you're about to say. Don't say oh that. No. <laughs> oh. Say it. That's
0: that's the always right Barbara Agnew who was very good at keeping me in check and she's no longer with us. No, she's not dead. <laughs> she's just not on staff with us, but her presence is all she's always in the back of our head. Yes. But so yeah, I think that you're right. Have him drawn me. So, other than um, Joni's uh, stab at elitism in the text, what else kind of sticks out at you guys? I got several notes, but what what kind of sticks out at you guys?
1: Why didn't she have a private bath? This well,
0: was, this was a private bath.
1: I know, but no, it should... Well,
0: Like indoor hot like tub or something? something?
1: <laughs> I don't know, like built up with walls or the something? The ones that Pat
0: Boone sells?
1: Yes. <laughs> 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 like... No, like, why doesn't she have her own, like, space where she didn't have to take people?
0: So wh- I bet you know the answer to that.
1: I bet I don't, <laughs> I'm asking
2: you.
0: <laughs> so probably she has a bathtub somewhere, right? It's a really nice bathtub. But the the Nile represents all that is good and blessed to Egypt. So it's, it is, she's... Bathing, she may not be bathing, bathing like f- to get clean, but just to swim. I mean, You go swimming in the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume I swim in a lake or a pond or whatever. It's maybe more akin to that, but she may be bathing as well. It's just hard to know what exactly she's doing, but humans like to go into the water.
2: Now, in the Charlton Heston Hugh Brenner Ten Commandments version, Yule Brenner. <laughs> What did I say? You said Hugh. Hugh Brenner. Heel Brenner. Yeah, that guy. Before you do that, <laughs> let me answer one more part of hers
0: before I forget it. Hold go on. Ahead, no, Hold go ahead. No, go ahead. It's all some commentaries on this uh, indicate that it was a form of worship that she may have been ceremonially bathing in the Nile because the Nile, Nile represents so much of the pantheistic gods of the Egyptians, and if the early part of the Book of Exodus, the Nile is almost like a character. Uh, it has a role to play in so many of the, of the stories. So that's
2: that's another thought process.
0: Now, g- tell us about I you. was just
2: going to say, I, I remember enduring that 10-hour saga, or however long it is, mm. um, as a youth movie night, um, nonetheless. So, um, Joni, there's a thought for you um, if you want to have about a six-hour movie night with your I teenagers. <laughs> um, that there, they the 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 set they built had like these columns wherever she was bathing or whatever. It was kind of semi-private with curtains and things like that. So who knows?
1: There you go. I'm which thinking like um, hot springs, Arkansas. You know where they had the. I mean like.
2: I don't think there are any Egyptians there.
0: So <laughs>
1: Probably not. But I'm just thinking like the
0: hot springs. So so <laughs> she. We're gonna go over to Memphis for the weekend, which but right. odd enough works as well <laughs> in ancient Egypt. <laughs> Um, so the, the, the bathing, you've, you hot springs, I'm thinking more, um, Spicewood Springs or. Oh,
1: like Krause's. Oh, like.
0: Or, um, what's the one that we, I like to go to?
3: Isn't there one in Lampasas?
1: Not the, the one.
0: Well, that, oh, that one would be good too. One. Yeah. That one
3: smells. Oh,
1: it does. It does. S- sulfur. sulfur. Yeah. Oh. And really? it turns your jewelry different colors. Wow. And they complain the entire time. <laughs> 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 Note to self: the only I redeeming thing are the ices on the way home. <laughs> just saying.
2: Speaking from experience. So just get the ices and
0: skip the. Just way.
1: get the ices, yeah.
0: What's the one over there, just outside of Lakeway, before you get over there?
1: Are uh, you not talking about Crowsey?
0: No, 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 no. You, ju- it's. Uh, I can't think of it. I love it. I've been down. There. It's very crowded though. Oh, oh,
2: oh, oh. oh the um you got to go the back way like you're going to Dripping Springs. That's exactly uh, right. Oh, you know, Hamilton Pool. Hamilton that's Pool. it, Hamilton Pool. But
1: that's not a spring.
2: I didn't say it
0: was a spring. I'm just telling but you. You invented the spring. There's no spring. Here. This is the Nile flipping River.
3: Well, okay. Okay, so backing up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to
2: say to our <laughs> listeners, we actually are going to get to Exodus in a minute, but I think Misty's ready to go. At
3: the beginning... And there's so much before that, but, of course, you know, we're just going to try to focus on what we've got here. And where it starts in Chapter 2, just where this woman is at, you know, when she's pregnant, she already knows what she's supposed to do with this, or, or, you know, ultimately what's going to happen to her baby. You know, if it's born a male, she knows that, you know, he's going to be killed. And so that's the backstory. So that's the backstory. But how I, I'm, and as a woman and as a mother of a son, I just try to place myself where she's at and just think of, you know, kind of what her feelings are at this point, you know.
0: Well, tell us some of that backstory because our, our listeners might not know what exactly went down in chapter one.
3: Um, there was a new Pharaoh in town, and he comes in and he's um, establishing new. Uh, rules, um, regulations to where all the male babies would be killed because of the population of the Israelites. And um, all the Hebrew babies, I'm sorry. And that it's a t- degree, I guess, is that what you call it?
0: Yeah. A decree, a decree that all that newborn all Hebrew babies, yeah, male babies would be killed. Would be
3: killed. And so, um, but
0: were they all killed? Who are the who Who are the superheroes mm. of the ancient Hebrews?
1: The Hiders.
0: The Hiders. What were their names? The Bible gives them names.
1: Oh, the Are you talking about the um,
0: the midwives? The midwives
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how they were. Um, they pretty much did they lie? I don't know if they lied or not, or if they just exaggerated. But they um, told Pharaoh that, um, like. The Egyptian women, like when they have their babies, it, it takes them a little bit of time and they really need help. But those Hebrew women, when they have babies, they just kind of spit them out and keep going on about their work. So they can't really.
0: That's exactly what they say. That it's, it, it's that whole. well, Too fast. It's the, um, you Egyptian women, you're so soft and mm. cuddly. But our Hebrew women, we're just strong like East German weightlifters. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
3: but he accepted that. I mean, he took that. He seemed to so have. So he was probably scared of them. Yeah. Well, he's probably
1: thinking, ooh, strong women makes mm-hmm. good good servants, mm-hmm. like good slaves. They can carry lots of stuff.
0: But but there's just, I've always thought two Hebrew midwives for a million people? Mm-hmm. Right. Those were some, some busy people. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: they're just hopping. Well, um, if they
1: were for all the Hebrew women, and the women just usually could do it on their own, <laughs> then... Uh, By the
0: time we get there, they're done. They're done. <laughs> <laughs> it's just paperwork, file a birth certificate, I'm get tired. a blood type. It's all good. Their names are Shifra and Pua. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that uh, they needed to have statues of them somewhere. Mm-hmm. These, um, We'll get to more of that in a minute if I get through all my notes. But, yeah, so Misty's a- tracking something that I'm thinking about. I, I'm a man, so I don't see it the same way. And I... I I have a girl's name but I'm still male. <laughs> I'm like a ladybug, male ladybug. Most unfortunate thing <laughs> in the whole world. Um, <laughs> but so so this woman, Yokabed, uh, Moses's mother, doesn't know all that time if she's having a male or a female. But then she has the baby and can you just imagine those feelings of <gasps> it's a baby mm-hmm. boy. And he's a fine <laughs> child, and um, how joyful you are that it's—he's alive and you're alive. It's not her first child, right? Because mm-hmm. we know
1: Miriam and Miriam Aaron
0: and Aaron are both already born for sure, mm-hmm.
1: right? And could she have already had? Because it said like he's a fine child, so I was thinking, had she had some that she was like, oop. This one is not <laughs> fine. Like, <laughs> all right. <laughs>
0: is like there I'm another baby we could give to Pharaoh? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this one's fine. No, no, actually, the fine there probably is a mistranslation. Mm-hmm. It probably means that it made her heart glad to be with mm-hmm. him, and so she didn't want to give him up.
1: One translation said goodly. That's good. That's what I have. I was it's like, like what is goodly? Child? Is that even a word?
2: <laughs> goodly. That sounds like one of your U.K. words there, Daryl, goodly. <laughs> goodly.
3: Goodly, well, have a goodly know. day.
2: I don't know on that one, but maybe. <laughs> but but then the
0: feeling also of, of giving your baby up to the bulrushes mm-hmm. as a and mom. not
3: letting yourself get ex- You want to be excited, but ultimately, you know, if it's a boy that, you know, it would just be hard to get excited, I'm thinking.
1: Well, and she bonded with it for three months. I think about the, the first three months of like Lawrence or Anne-Marie, but just you do bond with mm-hmm. your child. You bond with them when they're in the womb, and then when they come out. Like, I couldn't imagine um, I couldn't imagine knowing that you're bonded with this child, but then that you're going to have right. to give them up. Yeah.
2: Well, and there's also no guarantee that this whole plan is going to work the way we get to read that it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a gamble. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's literally
0: – Well, what is the plan? How do you read it? And then I'll tell you how you're wrong. Then I'm not going to tell you how I read
2: it. I
1: didn't feel like she had a plan.
0: Oh, it's a plan. It's, it's yeah. Actually, it's a pretty good plan. Um, again, we're colored by the movies and by our imagination. So we see him being put in a basket, closed in, and just pushed out to sea, as it were, on the Nile. Good luck!
2: See ya! We'll see yeah. what happens,
0: how it plans out. But if when you read the text really carefully. It probably went something like this. She hid him for three months, nursed him, cared for him, and then the troops showed up, right? Because the, they would not have been constantly pressuring them. It would have been sweeping through from time to time. To like, You can imagine a few military people who've been given the job of sweeping through and finding any Toddler or baby males to be put down, and so they they hide him until they come through, and then the you can almost see they've already worked Miriam when they come. Here's what you do: Yeah, I've taken the basket. Uh, the Bible uses the word ark, mm-hmm. and I've I've waterproofed it. You put Moses in it. You take him down. Although he wasn't named Moses then. We don't really know what is. Because Pharaoh's named, daughter yeah. names him Moses. Right. You take uh, baby boy Doe <laughs> down to the river and hide him in the bulrushes because it's the, you know it's high grass. If you're going to hide something in Egypt, this is the place to do it. And you stay there and keep an eye on him. And the way the text reads, Mama's going to go down there and nurse him when she can. He wasn't put in the bulrushes and pushed out amongst the, the water. Mm-hmm. He's being kept hidden down in the bulrushes. And Mama still goes down there when she can to feed him, to care for him. Miriam is on constant lookout watching him to see what's going on with him. And so he's hidden there. So the best plan is they're going to keep him hidden there. And then when the troops leave and they get the all clear, you go bring the baby getting. boy Doe back into the home. It's just kind of like the Anne Frank hiding room, right? Mm, right. Where you, you hide them while the danger's there, and then when, the, when they're gone, you bring him back in. The problem is the surprise twist. The plan goes awry when Pharaoh's daughter comes down to swim and sees the basket. And it's like, oh, mm. snap. The plan. We don't. We read it like that was the best possible course of action. Uh,
2: the way you're describing it, I don't know that I've ever thought of it quite like that. It does make more sense because even if it were a plan the other way, it's still a Hebrew baby. I would almost assume that if Pharaoh's daughter would find it, that she would put it to death. Absolutely.
0: You have no reason to believe you're going to find a sympathetic ear. Yeah. With Pharaoh's daughter. So the plan is just to hide him there because that's where you. I mean, there's no forest. Uh, here in central Texas, we'd say, you know, go hide down on the lowland on the riverbanks mm-hmm. where they can't find you down there. Uh, um, that same kind of motif.
2: Um, so
0: that's what I think
2: happened. That that actually makes more sense. So I think
0: that Yokebed and Amram had a plan, but their plan went awry, uh, as it were.
1: So um. – was putting him in the basket a sign of her faith or a sign of her failing faith? Was was she afraid of the people coming in? So, like, her faith was failing, or was she faithful, and so she did that?
0: It's never a failing of faith to take appropriate action to safeguard life and protect people. Um,
2: uh, I ju- I, yeah, my first thought was, I don't know that I'm even... Reading faith into it as much as a mom being a good mom more than Out anything of necessity yeah after, survival fight or and flight. yeah
0: we've already invoked Anne Frank once but if you're going to talk that situation um, when the Nazis show up it's not faithless to hide the Jew in the mm-hmm. it's doing what you're supposed to do to protect human life um, and that's more what you know and in that situation uh, Shifra and Pua are perfectly within their rights to to lie. You lie to oppressors. Mm -hmm. You lie to evil people to protect life. That's what Rahab does later. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. So, so Misty, you've got this mama thing going on. Any more juice there for you?
3: I'm just thinking about Miriam and how old. I mean, I know kids back then, they had a lot of responsibilities when they were little bitty. And so it just makes me wonder how old she probably was at this point. You think she was 8 or 9? You think she was 5 or 6? I mean...
0: Five or six is a little young, I although, again, it's different. Right. We know exactly how old Aaron is. Mm-hmm. Aaron's three years old
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because he's, a, 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 let's see, I want to say it's a number six. No, not number six. Somewhere along the line, we are told um, how old Aaron is in relation to Moses, and he's three years older than Moses. Mm-hmm. So we don't know how old Aaron um, Miriam is specifically but if she's 12 or older she's working yeah she's, yeah. she's not she doesn't have this kind of luxury time right. that's why yokkobed and amram are't down there mm-hmm. um, yep. of course we'll get to amram later he's he's c- gloriously not mentioned here
3: uh s- but she loves her brother you I, know, th- I think she's loyal to her her mother but also I can just feel like she's you know she's looking out for her baby brother too.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. and she is. She's not named until Exodus 15, mm-hmm. yeah. but she's here present early, and when she is named, she's named as a leader. In fact, mm-hmm. I've always thought that Miriam and Aaron don't get the kind of thrift in uh, Bible scholarship that they should or Bible classes. Right. The, they're there with Moses doing a lot of the heavy lifting.
3: Wasn't she the first? She was the first prophet prophetess. Wasn't that
0: her? That term is used of her. I don't, first, I'd, I'd have to.
3: Yeah, I can't. I can't remember for I sure. I
0: know. You do see prophetess in the Old Testament more than most people recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm not going to say yes or no. It I don't know. Seems
3: like she was one of maybe not the first, but maybe one of the first, first of the first mentioned.
0: But she's got a lot of. She's yeah. very important. Yes a um, very important leader. So I take Miriam to be 10 or 9. Yeah,
2: that's what I was thinking. Old
0: enough for this responsibility, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but not, you know, we need to be careful. It doesn't say this is Miriam. It says his sister. Right. We're mm-hmm. assuming it's Miriam. Yeah. Um, but uh, it could be another unnamed sister we don't know about. The um, uh, I take her to be 8 or 9, or ten, but just... So, so Misty, mm-hmm. play with me for a minute, because you brought this sister stuff going on. Um, who, who do we believe wrote this? Moses. Moses. So, Moses, we believe. In fact, I believe probably more like editor for a lot of it, like the Genesis material. He takes these oral traditions. Maybe he had some things written down, and he writes Genesis, and then he gives the narration of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and almost all of De- Deuteronomy. is just his angry sermons at the end, <laughs> um, you know, Moses' greatest hits. I told you, people, I told <laughs> you, and you didn't listen to a thing I said. That's my loose interpretation of the book of Deuteronomy. And I'm going to die now, and it's your fault. Good luck, Joshua. That, that's kind of so. That's. Uh, but we believe he put all of it. So where did Moses get this story? Baby Moses doesn't know all this stuff about, and, you know, unless you have a belief about Bible transmission that God <laughs> whispered this into his ear, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to say didn't happen, but mm-hmm. I'm saying that's usually not the way we understand it to have happened. Where did he get this story from?
1: It was just passed down. like.
0: But from who? Mom, sister? It's mom or sister. Mm -hmm. Maybe Pharaoh's daughter, maybe his adopted mom. But probably when you read the story, who's clearly the hero? Mm -hmm. Miriam. Miriam, Miriam, I carried you down. You can almost hear Miriam telling Moses later in life, you're only here because of me. Next time you get all (laughs) high and mighty on your I saw a burning bush, you wouldn't be here at all if it wasn't for me. How many times did he have to listen to Miriam tell that story? I carried you down there you were such a fat baby that basket <laughs> all you was did so was heavy was cry. all you did was cry <laughs> I took you down there I hid you I washed you I beat off the crocodiles and the ass trying to eat you <laughs> I muffled your sound I chased away the the soldiers, when they came to get you, and when Pharaoh's daughter found you, I'm the one who ran down there, <laughs> talked her into saving your Hebrew bottom, and then it was my idea. You need a wet nurse. Let's go get mom. That was all me, Moses. You can almost hear her because when you read the account, she's, she's- clearly the center of yeah. attention.
1: Well, there. and she's got Aaron there, too, that she's worrying about. Like, a three-year-old's not. But in. Aaron's
0: not anywhere mm, in the story. I'm just
1: saying. I'm <laughs> sure she let him know that I, it was just one, it was two.
0: See, see, perhaps when Miriam's telling the story, had Aaron on my back, sucking a lollipop, trying to keep him quiet. <laughs> you know, all this story going on. But
1: they weren't hiding Aaron.
0: No, but if you're hiding. What's those kids doing over the bulrushes? They're watching that basket with a baby in it over right. there. Um
1: how did Aaron get the pass? Like
0: Just old enough.
1: He mm-hmm. was just old enough. Just so it was under a certain age. And He
3: could talk. He used his words. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Please don't kill me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he had words, and he knew how to use them.
0: So, <laughs> so I think Big Sister tells him this story, and it's, it's actually quite endearing. Yeah. The things that our family can tell us about how we came into the world. I, I'm the oldest in my clan. How about you guys? I don't know where you rank.
1: Well, I'm the youngest, so they had all sorts of stories about how they got me, and uh, none of them were true. (laughs) Out of the bulrushes. How they got (laughs) me. How they got got me, like, on the side of the road. Where they found her. Yeah, where they found me. Yeah. Uh, Where they're going to take me back. (laughs) That truck stop in
2: Amarillo. It's lovely.
0: You were on sale on aisle four.
1: Probably. Poor So you're
0: So you're the baby. How many siblings do you have?
1: I have two older sisters, and there's a big gap. Um, between like my oldest sister is sixteen years older than I am, so
0: so, you're so
1: they did a lot of caretaking. S-
0: so wait a minute, your name middle name is Oops. Oops, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I have a brother too, and his name is oh a special one. <laughs>
2: oh, the chosen one. Yeah. Oh, but Joni's not bitter. <laughs> it's <unclear>. it's <laughs> just a like Moses.
1: She, <laughs> yeah, she
3: sounds like Miriam. <laughs> That's
0: right. Uh, uh, Misty, do you have
3: siblings? I do. I have one. Whole whole brother. (laughs) (laughs) He's not half. He's whole. (laughs) And then I have two half brothers and a half sister. (laughs) So,
2: yeah. Three eighths of a brother. I've got... (laughs) Which, which part does he part. not have? <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, so I yeah. never thought? Of it. <laughs> okay. Well, how else do you say that? <laughs> my whole brother. <laughs> oh, my full. I don't, I don't know. My
0: whole brother. He's <laughs> full
3: of something. But <laughs> uh, what's the
2: family broadcast?
3: <laughs>
0: oh, my whole brother.
3: <laughs> my whole brother. Two half brothers and a half I'm
2: sure sister. Sure, be glad to to uh-huh. know that you think of him that way. Well, and he I know knows. I know f- love him.
0: I know Fishbake has a brother. At least one. I have one. one
2: brother, older, seven years older. Is, is he
0: as smart as you are?
2: Oh, he's much smarter. Does
0: he tell stories about when you were a kid? I'm
2: sure, he would. I think he got to college as quick as he could. <laughs> uh, I think I I uh, <laughs> I um got on his nerves quite a bit. I believe.
0: <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. That's, that's right. Now, take that feeling all three of you brought into this. I bet you there's some action going on with this family the same way for the rest of their lives. This mm-hmm. was this is kind of oh, what makes yeah. it weird.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, they were all there. Moses would have been weaned by his mother, right? So th- at the end of the story, uh, his sister goes and says, "Let me get a nurse," and she goes and gets mom. So happy coincidence, his own mother gets paid to be his wet nurse which probably means um, for three or four years. That, that would has been a long weaning process in the ancient world. So for three or four years, he's with mom and dad and sister and brother and anyone else there in Hebrew land before Pharaoh's daughter comes and takes possession of him. So that dynamic is there. You can just imagine later in life, later in life when they're going through the wilderness and um, the... Oh, Moses thinks he's so special. He's just the chosen one. It had to be him. And Aaron, that gives some flavor to later on in the book of Exodus and, and the Pentateuch when Aaron and Miriam get jealous of Moses. Mm-hmm. They get a little upset. There's some special stories there where uh, God has to show some judgment on those two to humble them because Moses is special. Mm-hmm. But and within their context, he's just brother. Mm-hmm. You'll only ever just be sister or brother to your family. Um, no matter what well, you if do. He's,
2: if he's brother who they were trying to protect and then almost, you know, got captured and maybe even a sense of panic, like, oh, no, what's going to happen to him? But they take him and show favor on him, and then they're sitting back keeping their mouths quiet about who's he is. All the while watching him be raised, like, hold on, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we did all this to protect you, and now you're getting all these privileges and and being raised inside the the castle, so to speak. Um, I think you could almost very easily go from whew, we're glad he didn't get killed, but we didn't. Now we're jealous that he, uh, you know, uh, he got all this privilege, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know. Just yeah. So that gives us some insight, I think, into Moses as a
0: human being. Um, he's born Hebrew, which which that that kind of let's 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 chase that for a moment. Pharaoh's daughter pulls him, or has someone <laughs> pull him out of the water, and knows instantly. You read the text; she, she knows. knows. Yeah. This is a Hebrew. Now, there's a lot of discussion. How did she know? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, how do you know? Mm-hmm. Is it the way he looked? Their physical features are different? Uh, which is possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we th- I would assume that Egyptians have a certain look, a certain feature. You just know. Is it the clothing that he was wrapped in? Or are Hebrew mothers abandoning baby boys all over the place? Right. And so you just know, oh, my father is the one trying to kill yeah. these people. So when she picks him up and she decides to own him, who is she really snubbing?
3: Mm-hmm. Her daddy. Her
0: dad. Her dad. There's an amazing social justice thing going on here.
3: Misty? Um, in mine, in chapter, in verse 6, it says, um, and she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And I know the translation that Daryl read. Well, yours didn't say compassion. Yours said pity.
2: What verse was that? Uh, 6. Took pity.
3: Took pity on him. But compassion, you know, and it just took me back to the prodigal son, you know, when the dad saw the son running and he had compassion on him. I don't know, that kind of just struck me um, how.
2: Well, you know, I I, I think of um, plot lines to, I can't think of a specific example, but I'm sure there's enough plot lines where some power-hungry male and their egos were trying to exert, their dominance, and it was their counterpart, their spouse, or a female, or someone that almost had to kind of come in and fix things because, as, as males, you know, the ego gets away from it. I'm totally, you know, just kind of reading things in here, but based on what you're saying, you, you almost see, you could see that maybe she's like, Oh, my dad. Yeah, you're ego thinking Shrek too? Yeah. Is that what that is? <laughs> <laughs>
1: And who knows her history? Maybe you know she has wanted to have a child, and yeah. and like who, kn- or that she just sees that her you know father is just going down such a wicked path.
0: Okay, so maybe. But how do you think the first Thanksgiving was? That Pharaoh's daughter shows up. I have a new son. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, <laughs> he's circumcised. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Uh, These. The <laughs> um, It was a snub, Mm -hmm. and it was a snub against her father's policies. And so this is one of the the grand themes here. It's the evil alpha male, power-hungry male, whatever, afraid male of losing his power to Mm -hmm. those immigrants who've come into our land. Mm -hmm. It's his edict to kill them. He's evil, but all these women... Are the ones who are saving life. The Shifra, Puah, his mother, his Jochebed, his sister Miriam, mm-hmm. and Pharaoh's daughter, uh, and also Pharaoh's uh, women, female assistants. They they help. Mm-hmm. They could have done him in as well. So you have this. All these women are responsible for preserving the life of Moses against what the, the man is trying to do. It's almost a feminist. Agi- if I were a feminist theologian, which I'm not, but there's a powerful message in here about um, the role that women play in, a, in accomplishing the will of God against what it is men mm-hmm. are trying yeah. to do to hinder the will of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite an amazing message. Um, Surpri- again, a surprise mm-hmm. thing that you would not expect. Well, that the and it's hero- kind
3: of under the cu- it's kind of under the radar. You know, men and not all men, but here in this specific scenario, it may be all men. <laughs> <laughs> loud and abrupt, and you're going to do what I say. But then you have the women over here, um, you know, doing God's work, God's will under the radar, which goes to show that louder is not necessarily better. You know,
0: are you saying men are louder?
3: <laughs> not all men. But
0: possibly, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. no, and and that's what I mean, and just in this situation, a quiet yeah. humbleness to them, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: A f- a, a, po- a possible parallel to this is when Jesus is being crucified. All the male disciples, John's the exception; he's there, but almost mm-hmm. they flee. Mm-hmm. It's the women who stay because mm-hmm. they're stronger, maybe yeah. maybe more committed. Yeah, um, but they're they still don't.
1: magnolias, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: My hair does look like a football helmet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the struggle is real. I'm just gonna <laughs> say that.
2: Oh dear!
0: How did all? How did? It, now, now I got. Oh my! I goodness. haven't
2: mentioned Harry Potter yet, though I could have about fifteen minutes ago. So just saying. <laughs> the,
0: uh, <laughs> but this hidden agenda here of the women being the hero—I think you'll see possibly more in the Bible if we can learn to read it. And actually, see what's going on as opposed to superimpose upon it. Because Moses is not the star of this show. He's the object, but he's not the star. Mm-hmm. And Pharaoh is the bad guy. But then, so you have him grow up. Misty was talking about this earlier. So he grows up, uh, he is Hebrew, he knows he's Hebrew, his adoptive mom knows he's Hebrew. Pharaoh knows he's Hebrew. There, there's no surprise. Oh, there's Mission Yul Brenner and Charlton Heston and uh, Ann Bancroft. Uh, all those, um, Samuel, Samuel G. Robinson, where's your Moses now? Where's your Messiah now? <laughs> you know. uh, the, the, they paint it as if nobody knew, and this was the right. great secret of your heritage, who you are. Everybody knew Moses was a Hebrew. Mm-hmm. He did too, but he grew up in two worlds. He is mul- he is um, not biracial like we would use the term today, but he is certainly uh, multicultural bicultural, yeah bicultural so he's got he's been raised in the Egyptian mindset. He, he knows the language, the lingo, the power politics. he's been raised in privilege, right he, he's a trust fund kid. he's got whatever he wants because his mama is the princess. he too goes down in bays in the Nile, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he has this Hebrew family.
1: And could you imagine how much his mom poured into him those first Which three mom? years? His, his wet nurse mom, his biological mom. Like, I could just imagine her um, pouring into him so much of, you know, who God is. And I think that's so important to young children. So I don't think he went into this Egyptian house not knowing who God was.
0: I think that's true, but you can also give him some leeway for confusion.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, and even taking a three-year-old, I think of three-year-olds that I know, like even taking them from everything they know, like couldn't even imagine that.
0: Well, you, So if you took a three-year-old from everything they know, let's say, l- let's describe the situation for Moses. Can we do that? So he's an immigrant. Mm-hmm living as an immigrant, a slave to the most powerful kingdom on earth at this time. I mean, this is probably the 14th century, maybe the 13th or 12th century B.C. Rome is still a group of tribes huddled on the Tiber. They haven't even organized anything Mm -hmm. anything yet. Uh, The Greeks at this point are still city-states, barely even aware that the other city-states exist. Mm-hmm. Um, Babylon. You've got Sumer over there. We'll talk about maybe in a minute if we have time, although we're already approaching an hour on this. What's that, What are we at now? Uh,
2: we're probably closer to 45 minutes. Oh, so. good.
0: Then we will get to mm-hmm. it because I'm going to last three hours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like will just boat. let you know if the computer starts to overheat over here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It looks like it's getting a little hot
0: from <laughs> here. So, so, wait, wait. <laughs> the computer. So, so he's an a s- enslaved immigrant to the most powerful kingdom on earth. Poor. Plucked from that environment, now you're put in the halls of power. Now he's never going to be Pharaoh. That's again. That's another more of a loose uh, fan fiction motif uh, on the Moses story. He's never going to be, but he's in the halls of power. He's like um, the Kennedy kid you never heard of, right? Mm -hmm. He's still there. He's listening, privileged, um, has every advantage, everything in his life, yet he knows he doesn't belong. He's he's a child of two worlds, but at home in neither. Um, so if we were going to do this today, um, I did this work in my head. Uh, you guys play with this. So now we have, let's take, uh, someone coming, uh, across the border, across the Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. Can you see mama putting him on a boat, pushing him across the river to the other side? It's not that big of a jump.
1: That's not far-fetched.
0: Someone grabs him on the other side, uh, and takes him in, he stays for three years with family on that side, learns a, a, a Latin American culture, uh, learns the language, has an identity there, understands his racial, and you can see in the mirror, I look like these people. Then at three, perhaps something happens, and he's adopted uh, or brought into, let's say, let's pick uh, a celebrity comes by, some well-meaning Hollywood Angelina do-good. Jolie. Sure. Angelina Jolie <laughs> yeah. with one more project, yeah. <laughs> right? Comes in, no <laughs> husband. <laughs> no, why? Uh, why? I, I say, was just throwing a name did out I say there. That I think <laughs> missed you. Uh, I'm not gonna mess with this too much, but the idea of a just woman in case
2: she might be listening to our podcast. It could happen, Angie. If you're listening, Daryl just cast
0: you bathing <laughs> no, naked I down by did the river. Not.
2: I just said a name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. I was thinking a male Hollywood do-gooder, but Angelina works, comes in, takes him, brings her. Now he has everything, but uh, he grows up with privilege and education. But when he becomes, you know, adult, he begins thinking, who mm-hmm. am I? Mm-hmm. And he, he knows, you know, I was at Nuevo Laredo, and then I came across. He knows all that. It's not because it's a secret, but putting the pieces together That, to me, gives a lot of insight why one of the first adult stories we see of uh, Moses when he... Adult stories, not the word (laughs) I want to use. Stories of of, him as an adult. Of him as an adult is the murdering the Egyptian. Mm -hmm. He's confused. He doesn't know what his place is. He knows he has privilege. He has power. And so uh, I think he never fit in with the Hebrews. Either, mm-hmm. which is why he always saw them as other mm-hmm. in his relationship with God. Yeah, uh, these aren't my people. He would tell God, "They're your, your people." people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which every pastor knows that feeling. <laughs> yeah. They're not mine. <laughs> They're yours. Stir you with them. Would yeah. you just open up the ground and <laughs> swallow them? That'd be good. You did that for Moses. Could you pull that one off from me? Just and I'll tell you right where to crack the ground. But God. not here. We're not, not here. referencing
2: not our, our church here. Uh, our
0: church is wonderful. I mean, um. So (laughs) Moses is the child of both worlds, and I think uh, there may be some – what worlds do we live in, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Lots of them.
0: (laughs) What worlds do you live in? You balance these worlds. Which ones?
1: Um, I remember at one time where I was going to church in one community, and I was teaching in another community, and then my children, we were raising them in another community, and then we had – party at the house and all of these people from these different worlds all came together and we realized like oh we have our feet like in all of these different mm-hmm. worlds and um it was really eye-opening and so now we're kind of in one world but
0: did you feel like you had to choose between those worlds
1: i i actually did it was just it was too hard because like in this one world, I was mom. In this one world, I was you know Sunday school teacher. In this one world, I was a teacher, and uh, yeah, it was just a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Well,
2: yeah, I was talking. I was talking to one, one of my kids the other day, and uh, she was talking about going from high school to college, and successful. And all the things she did but just got to college and just felt so out of place and like I don't know who I am I'm doing what everyone told me to do all the external things but I don't know who I am per se and and you I think in life even we find ourselves in certain um uh, social cultures even trying to fit into either a career or a job or a uh, an environment even um and then still, well, who am I?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What's my identity? Yeah, I know I'm this family or I'm this whatever, but um, what are my values? What Where do I belong?
3: And I th- a lot of it, I think, comes, of course, you know me. I turn everything into a devotional <laughs> type thing, but it all comes down to your heart, you know.
2: Preach.
3: Wh- where are you in your heart? You know, um, our covenant with the Lord, you know, that's a promise and an agreement with him And when we, you know, when he saves us, we're saying that we're going to give you all of us. But then, you know, and I can only speak for myself when I say, you know, I still wanted to keep part of my, here, Lord, you can have all of me do what you want, but yet I'm still, you know, part of my heart's here and then my mind's over here. And, you know, you get to a point, you just have to say, I can't, I can't live in two worlds. And the scripture talks about, you know, that you have to have uh, the eye of the, what is it? The camel? You can't fit the eye. Camel the can't go through the eye
0: of
2: a needle. Yeah, right.
3: thank you. I knew it. It's
0: easier for a rich breath. man to go through the yeah. eye. Yeah.
3: You know, and he camel. wanted. To <laughs> yeah, you know that one. But
2: follow us for more scripture.
3: <laughs> you get
1: it. You know. <laughs> Expertise. It's a. It's a. It's a when you go home because i know you talk about being here and then you go home to coleman and it probably feels like yes different worlds it's a a lot of that
3: you just have to have if you know who you are in christ you have to be rooted in in him first and search him out and you can't know who you are until you know who he is and then being that person wherever you go not switching to be misty here and then um, misty over here and then misty at church you know, I strive hard to be who I am wherever I am. And I think for me, that's, that's kind of what you're talking about.
0: Well, push, push it just a little further, because I, I think you're tracking where my mind went as well with this, and that's the Scripture talks about how we are citizens not of this world but of heaven. So mm-hmm. we literally are like Moses. We have a foot in two worlds. We live here, but our heart is somewhere else with our mm-hmm. people. Now, what I find interesting about Moses is I think that he was really never able to choose. Right. Right? Am I going to be Hebrew or am I going to be Egyptian? And the result is for 40 years, he was neither. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was driven into exile where he lived amongst people that were not his at all. So he had a third world that he's living in. So you get these ideas of we are called to to live in these two worlds because we have to bridge the gap and that's what moses could do mm-hmm. later in and life he
3: had help god offered him the help that he needed absolutely he gave him the people and the you know circumstances and, and all those things he didn't just say here i want you to do this go you know figure it out he gave him everything he needed to be successful that he needed to be to be successful in what god had called him to do
0: and that started here in this moment he mm-hmm. was preparing him from the beginning because when it came time to stand up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, even though Pharaoh wouldn't let him go, wouldn't listen, wouldn't, wouldn't, he still was comfortable in those halls. Mm-hmm. He knew where to go. Mm-hmm. He knew what to say. And he had an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of get a feeling that he had a unique entree into that world that maybe some other leader from the Hebrews would not have been given. Right.
3: He had favor. God uh, showed him favor with his um, people.
0: So that that that's that's one thing that I think we uh, I I always think of um Moses as kind of like Spock from Star Trek, right? He's half human, half Vulcan, right? <laughs> this, this is who Moses is. He's got these two worlds that he lives in um that that both have meaning for him. Uh his leadership cap- capabilities later on, though they come from God, you know he learned how to do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um in in the education mm-hmm. process of egypt mm-hmm. so what else are you guys tracking on here
2: i got several things to spend the other two and a half hours with <laughs> <laughs> the thing that i just keep coming back to i think we're talking about identity here a lot is i see more and more value in what what so many of the women did in this because i think with with men and and i'm going to be I am in a stereotype because I, th- I think it, it does fit most of the time. But for the, for the most part, men think in strategies and proclamations and power and absolutes. And so to be dominant, we're going to kill all the, the firstborn males or the, the Hebrew male uh, sons. Um, but then you, you don't see the women working on this broad, wide strategy. They're focused on this child, this child this child here, and so you see a mother's love, you see uh, affection, and so uh, even when you fast forward to the end of Moses' life, you talk about identity, I, he was Egyptian, he was Hebrew, he lived in Midian, he had all these kind of crazy things, that it came back to the point of God saying, if you'll just trust me, mm-hmm. I'll lead you, I'll lead you through wherever you are, and what, and what I want to do, um, I don't think it was... Um, if you obey me and do what I say, I'm going to bless you. Because look at how many people were snatched out of a life in an unfair way and never got anything. Uh, uh, talk about the Jews um, that were put in concentrations camps. Lives taken away from them. You can't lay that story over and say, well, if you just obey God and trust God, He's gonna, you know, he's got a plan for your life and things like that. I think it comes down to more of a trusting his love and his affection for you in a moment by moment, wherever you are, whether you're in Pharaoh's castle or uh, you're in the Nile or you're in Midian and amongst people you don't know, or you're at a place where you do feel like you fit, that it's still where, what is your source? What's your source of life?
3: And we have to always remember that um, what you say, I agree with everything you said. And Moses, later on, he says, God, if, you know, God was telling him to go and, Moses said, if you don't go with us, we're not going because, you know, we're not going to do anything without you. And how often do we forget that? You know, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go, but I need you. I've got to have you. I can't do this without you. And I think a lot of times when we try to bring it on ourselves, you know, and make it about ourselves, you know, that's when it just turns into disaster. And then it's like, you know, then we want to turn it around, blame it on God, you know, in the same sense
1: for me I think it's a lot of identity too like how often do we wrap up our identity in like our profession what we do or our family and who our family is or where we live or um, speaking with teenagers it's always um, their identity is wrapped up in all of their extracurriculars but like that's not our identity our identity comes from God and um, I think Moses had to find that out
0: Identity is often connected to a name, especially in the Bible. Hmm. Um, I was complaining to my mother this week about my name. I, I, I even already complained about it once in this podcast. About It's a girl's name. And she said to me, she says, well, you, you just look like a Jamie. I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> I, I didn't look like a Jamie until you named me this unfortunate thing. And... That gets me. What was Moses' naming situation? Uh, you you said, Joni. I'm looking at you because you pointed this the very first thing. He was named Moses because what?
1: Because that's what Pharaoh's daughter said. I pulled you out of the water. So
0: the word Moses is connected etymologically to the verb of to draw out of the water. Mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, it's not a Hebrewism. as it's, it's it's a Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Um called you Moses. Now, that's his identity. His name is Egyptian. Now, one of my favorite word plays, and I can't prove it completely, but they we don't really know for sure who the Pharaoh of the Exodus is, but the leading candidate is one of the Ramses, right? Um, that's who it is, and that's who Yul Brynner plays, by the way, in the famous movie. Ramaziz. Ramesses, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually the same name as Moses, you mm-hmm. can see it. M A S E S is the same verbal root as M O S E S, but you have in front of that name R A Ra. Ra, which is Amun Ra, the Egyptian god uh, of uh, the sun god mm-hmm. uh, that they believe you know was born every mm-hmm. day in the east and died every night in the sunset and. Um, was one of the high uh, uh, gods in their pantheon. So you get this battle, literally battle royale, between Moses and Ramesses, if this is the same Pharaoh. One is speaking for Yahweh, so maybe we could say that... um, Moses's name be Yah Moses <laughs> <laughs> against Ra Moses, and it really is the, the the battle is between the two men, but it's actually between the gods. Mm-hmm. All the plagues that God will unleash on Egypt are attacks on the different deities that the Egyptians worshipped, starting with the Nile itself. Um, so our identity is wrapped up in our name. So I know you have a name, Misty Daryl. I got these names, but what other name do we carry that wraps up into our identity?
1: I carry Mama. Mama. <laughs> well, when they want something, it's Mama. When they're <laughs> upset, it's Mom.
0: <laughs> How about when they're affection? Is it mommy?
1: It, it's uh, it's Mama. Mom. Yeah, it's it's it's
3: all in the tone.
1: It's all in the tone. Teenagers have lots of tones. No. (laughs) (laughs) So many.
0: My children can turn my wife's emotions, mindset, mentality with just that word. (laughs) She can be angry and upset and they go, Mama. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one name. Mm -hmm. What, What other names do
2: you carry? can't repeat them on here (laughs) (laughs) how about
0: pastor daryl you're you're pastor daryl does that 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 name have any meaning for you
2: yeah i think it does um feels um responsible is not the right word it it feels um endearing like um people are allowing you to shepherd them so to speak in 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 a weird way like there's uh, it, it doesn't. You talk about reverend or things, you know, formal theological ministerial minister, even uh, ordained minister. They're so cold. But mm-hmm. Pastor Fields, brother
0: Daryl, right?
2: <laughs> pastor Fields My more shepherding, Darryl. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> not many people get that joke anymore. <laughs> I know it's cause we're, we're old. We're old Gen Xers here. <laughs> mm-hmm. so,
0: um, Misty you got mama, got pastor. What, what I call you, Sierra Miss, but that's Sierra different. Miss.
3: Um, I don't, wife,
0: wife,
3: daughter, you know.
0: Daughters, actually, you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Notice this story, all these daughters. So you have, um, the daughters are allowed to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you have, um, Miriam as the daughter of Jochebed uh, and also, uh, is the daughter of a priest, of, uh, daughter of Levi. They're not la- labeled priests yet, but they will be, Levi, then you get the daughter of Family. Pharaoh. A lot of daughter action going on in here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter and Yochabed both wear two titles, daughter and mother. mother. Hmm. What, is, what, is, what does daughter mean to you?
3: Um, I just, daughter holds, uh, my first thoughts just go to daughter of the king, you know, and ultimately thinking of who my father is in heaven is just it's overwhelming you know um my, my I love my dad my earthly dad and um I just I don't know I hold it I hold it very dear to my heart and I take it serious I take it as a serious thing
0: hmm. identity I think we all take our uh, we sh- maybe we should take our identity a little more seriously yeah. than we do I think um what is it um didn't, um, no, personality is cheap, but character is expensive. Is that how it costs everything? Something like that? Sounds, some, some sounds right. Like I think you made the it out. right <laughs> <laughs> the, the rich
2: man going to the eye of the camel. Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I just couldn't get it out. You knew what I was talking about.
0: Oh, I, c- I couldn't quite <laughs> easier
2: for a camel to go to the I eye of a needle than a rich, rich man, man to enter into the gates. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we got there, eventually. The
0: rich man going through the eye of the cam camel is <laughs> much more exciting.
2: <laughs> For more heresy, <laughs> tune in next week. Get
0: a visual image on that going on in your head. <laughs> um, so there's one more, I think, big picture. There's actually a lot more we could get to. I want We could talk about S- Sargon of Acadia, but we won't. It's the bigger question. What about the... The babies that didn't make it, because we read this story and it's a happy ending, right? Moses gets to live. How many didn't? And, and this is one of those great questions of history, because one of the um, quick things that we go to is Christ's followers is the story of Jesus with Herod the Great. There's a parallel with that. In fact, Jesus is uh, and Moses is. Uh, early life are very similar in the sense that a king edicts for them to be killed. Herod the Great has the same thing. All the kids around the Bethlehem area are to be killed. Fun twist. Where does Jesus go to avoid this? He goes to Egypt. He goes to (laughs) Egypt. (laughs) So in Egypt, we have the original story here, and we often conflate the two with Herod's uh, genocide that takes place, you may be talking about 10, 15, 20 kids, which is horrible. I, I'm not trying to say that's not,
2: that's mm-hmm.
0: horrific. One's way right. too many. Mm-hmm. But with Pharaoh, if you have a million people, which is about, a good number. I mean, if you take the Bible numbers seriously, a million, give or take 100,000 people that you're dealing with, um, you're talking about thousands Upon thousands upon thousands of baby boys that didn't make it, what do you tell their mom? Well, you're, you're you know, I know your child you thought was special, but he's no Moses. Mm-hmm. Is that what you tell them?
3: Or what about all the women that did maybe do the same thing that Pharaoh's daughter did and hit them, put them out somewhere, and then they left, and in their mind, they want to believe that their baby's still alive you know they they choose to beli- you know think that
0: someone found my somebody, baby yeah. and, mm, is that we well that's there's a powerful thought in there that hope mm-hmm. even if it's a lost cause kind of hope yeah um, just leave your child out somewhere hoping someone finds him
3: but then sometimes the unknown is is horrible too you know so you've got that side of it
0: So what's the answer? Did God care about all those other babies too? Absolutely. Can you prove it?
3: God is love. Hmm.
0: Better than
2: that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You don't want the Sunday school answer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know if this answers the questions being asked here, but I think the thing that starts to make more sense to me is when you look at the life of Jesus and you look at what I believe makes the gospel good news is it not that jesus came to show us how to have a successful life how to to win so to speak he came to show us how to die and he gave up everything he gave you know he was unjustly uh, accused unfairly executed um uh, everything that he experienced was the outsider was the um uh, the the um, the person that I- was unfairly treated mm-hmm. and what he did was he surrendered to his father and in, su- in trust that his love would walk him through that and so we don't have a savior that came and conquered and defeated all these people and wanted life the way you sometimes the American dream is, you know, equated with Christian success, Um, we have a God that came and showed us that he suffers with us. And so when I think of the women who's lost their their babies to to Pharaoh, um, I think of a God who understands and feels that pain with them just as deeply as they felt it. Um, not a God that says, well, sorry, Moses was the one you, you lose on this one. But one who's like, I I did choose Moses, but that was ultimately because I hurt with all of you for the, the, the things you've had to Mm -hmm. endure. Um, and we see a God of compassion, um, and a God that gets it. And then a God that's trying to show us that if you will trust me, what's, let's let's see if we can find another verse here (laughs) to butcher up here, um, he can gain the world, but uh, he who he can gain the, <laughs> gain the, the world ri- but lose Where's your soul. The
0: rich man who gains <laughs> the world After will go through, through the eye of, the eye of camel. <laughs> a camel. Of the tiger. Go and do likewise.
2: <laughs> um, I totally lost my thought on that one. Well, uh, let me see if I can't
0: add a couple of thoughts in here, unless Joni wanted to jump in.
1: I was just going to say, um, if you think about – Um, I've had friends that have lost babies, you know, and almost carried them to full term and then lost Mm. a baby. And then, you know, when I had my healthy baby, I felt so guilty as a mama that I had a healthy baby. And then Mm. my friend had gone through so much pain and not, not had, you know, not on the other end. And, you know, God doesn't love my child any more than he loved their child or that he loves their child. It's just a different story.
2: My thought was he who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And I think somewhere in there, God is inviting us to let go of our ideas of what life should look like. But trust him to do something with whatever Mm -hmm. there is.
3: Well, and he's sovereign. You know, you see it from the beginning in Genesis all the way through that God is sovereign. And, you know, the flood came. He wiped everybody out. Did he, you know, and it said it grieved him to have to do that. He was sorry he made these people, you know. So I think in order for his plan to be fulfilled, these are some of the things that have to take place. And we don't know the answers. And it's okay to say, I don't know, but, you know, I I know a God that, that understands, and he does hurt with us, and he loves you. You
0: know. There's some serious wordplay with Ark in this text as mm-hmm. well. We didn't go in, have time really to go into it, but um, Moses, who wrote the story of Noah, was using the same arc. language yeah. with his little basket. Um, so losing babies is terrible. It hurts. Um, yes. And it's a unique pain. And um, a lot of times in church, we just act like it didn't happen, mm-hmm. especially miscarriages. Um, we just pretend or... Or we say to a grieving mom, well, God has a reason, which mm. doesn't really help much. I mean, think about all these Hebrews. You can just imagine some some person walking by telling this woman who's just had her baby taken by the soldiers and thrown in the Nile. Well, God has a reason. Mm. Well, mm. that's just not very helpful.
3: It's not comforting, no. I mean, in the least.
0: No, and a God that would do that, we yeah. even wonder what kind well,
3: of God uh, is that? Yeah, what
0: What, what reason? Yeah. So one of the things that for me helps is twofold. So you've mentioned Christ on the cross. I think it was Daryl talking about that he, he suffered grave injustice. And this is where the Christian answer to human suffering is different than almost any other religious system. In that our... Our answer is God did not remove our suffering and pain. Instead, he suffered with us. Mm-hmm. So you're a mama who lost your baby or you're, you're, you're uh, Amram. You lost your baby. You lost your son. God knows exactly what that feels like mm-hmm. to have your child unjustly killed by the state. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether mm-hmm. it's soldiers throwing that baby in the Nile from Egypt or Romans uh, crucifying your son to a cross or uh, watching your son be lynched in Mississippi, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or East Texas where I grew up, you know, all these different things. It, it's this similar pain that God, he, his solution was to suffer with us. So that's one big picture answer. But I think in the context of this story, Moses, as the promised deliverer, is there to pave a future in which no Hebrew baby is ever at the whim of a tyrant again. And that's the, okay, yeah, you lost your baby and that's horrible, let's cry about that. But we are working toward a future where that doesn't happen. And I think a lot of times in Christian ministries, I read this, I was really connected to the vulnerability issue of Moses. You don't get much more vulnerable than Mm -hmm. a baby in a basket in crocodile infested waters Mm
2: -hmm.
0: uh, who's been under a death sentence. That's pretty vulnerable. And so we become the Miriam. The church becomes the Miriam, the big sister who's watching, caring, and advocating. Mm -hmm. Hey, don't you want me to get a wet nurse? Hey. Mm-hmm. That, that's a Hebrew boy. You should keep that boy. Mm-hmm. He, look how fine he looks. <laughs> you know? Advocating always not for Pharaoh's policies, not for government, like, you know, edicts and power and control, but mm-hmm. for the most vulnerable mm-hmm. babies, immigrants, widows, orphans, the unborn, all of these individuals that are the most vulnerable in our society. And so this passage brought that out in my mind in a great big way. Anything else? That was fun. Thank you. This is fun. So we're going to come back next week with another weird Moses story. I don't know which one, which one is it scheduled. Do we have anyone oh, have the I list up? It, well,
2: I don't maybe. know.
0: Uh, well, it'll be good. Uh, You'll love it.
2: <laughs>
0: whether you have a good time or not, mm-hmm. I don't know. We will. We will. That's right. but we want to thank you for listening to under the water tower please like share and comment I can't comments comments are important so you put it on Facebook or whatever social media platform Mark Zuckerberg allows you to use when you do that what are you throwing you
2: can't next say. next you can't week's say. podcast
0: <laughs> oh it's the mystery of the flung foreskin yes that's yeah, um, Daryl's over. Daryl's over there, Don't just throwing
1: that stuff at me, I
0: gesticulating away, whacking. He's making motions in <laughs> different parts of his body and throwing it across the room. Um, but okay, so whatever social media platform you're on, post it and then comment. Uh, I can't tell you how much, especially Facebook, will push up—not to be self-promoting—but they will push up a post that has lots of comments on it. So comment on it. That's really important. Share and like. As we say around here, every click matters. You can also visit our website at fmf.life to to visit this one or other podcasts or to hear uh, unfortunate sermons from Jeremiah. We'll be back next week with Bible Talk from Under the Water Tower. Goodbye. See ya.
3: Bye. Have a great week.